Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News and Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone who is building a more humane world from the inside out. And my guest today is from uh, over at Webster University in St. Louis, Nay Lowry. Uh, good morning, Nay. Hi, good morning, Dick. How are you? I'm excited. I'm excited partly because I have not had any introduction to Webster University before. And I went to the website today and I took a virtual tour. Mm-hmm. My goodness, I went in all the buildings and then this nice uh, student kept talking to me about you know, this and yes. that. And then I, I saw this uh, option to go to the uh, Webster Speaks part of the website. And I got to listen to one of your professors do a program on the very subject of why we're together today. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're together because Webster University is holding a conference on diversity and inclusion February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And I'm, that's a virtual conference where we can register and uh, tap into it as much as we're able to. So what do you have to do with Webster University and the conference, Nay? Yes, well, I'm actually currently a freshman at Webster University majoring in journalism. So this was my first year um, attending Webster and I was requested to speak at the conference on February 25th about me, who I am, my transition, um, my family. So that is my role. Wonderful. Now, when you say your transition, you're actually not talking about your transition into college. There's a a bigger meaning behind transition to you. And and we're going to do our best to explore this today uh, because it's an educational opportunity for me and and all our listeners. So mm-hmm. what do you mean transition? When I refer to transition, I am referring to my transition from male to female. Good. Yes. And that I am learning, having listened to a portion of Webster Speaks, mm-hmm. uh, that a transgender label, let's say, has a whole range of possibilities as to what that means to a particular individual in that range or scope of of, of meaning. Can you help open up some of that for us? Yes, absolutely. So transgender means going from one sex to another. That can be from male to female or from female to male. In my case, I was born male and then I started transitioning at the age of 18 and I'm 19 currently. So I've been transitioning for a year and for individuals who decide to transition, transitioning can be as little as wanting to change your pronouns 
So if you were born male as a female using her, she pronouns, or if you were born a female transitioning, transitioning into a male, you would use he, him pronouns. Mm -hmm. And then also in my case, you can start um, hormone therapy, which is which changes the body and gives you kind of matches your insides to your outsides. So in my case, um, feminizing how I look so I can feel more as the gender that I believe I was born to be. Mm -hmm. And it can go from hormone therapy on into a phrase that I had not heard before, gender affirming surgery. Yes. And uh, I don't know, that may be the ultimate of the scope of, of transgendering. Is that mm -hmm. how you see it? I believe for me, at least, I can say that it's more of one day at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like when I was born male, I just knew that I wanted to appear female, feminine. Mm -hmm. And that could look like surgeries, that could look like um, having long hair, it, it doesn't have to be absolutely surgery because surgery for me isn't that um, infinite answer to feeling as if I am a female. I do feel like there, it might be for some individuals and that is something that I myself am still discovering, you know, as I transition. Um, but I do believe that it's just a piece. It's a piece within yourself that you find. And that can look like many things for anyone who's transitioning. Yeah. That's a, a great piece to know that there is such a, a range and scope to where people are in their transitioning. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in some ways, we're all transitioning. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> we're all all changing or getting older uh, yes. and, and even with that hormones change or, you know, mm -hmm. I, I remember when uh, I had my prostate cancer, I, I had to have my testosterone completely blocked. Wow. And when that happened, my uh, progesterone estrogen production seemed to display itself in ways that mm -hmm. I had not expected at all. So I, I grew with a few things that I, I, Wow, look at that. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, it can happen in various ways, whether you're intentional or, or, or unintentional in, in the process. Mm -hmm. But for you, uh, you wanted to express yourself in a more feminine way from a very early age? Yes. Gosh, from the time I was born... I would wear like pajama pants on my head. Having short hair, I'd wear pajama pants on my head and pretend that there were two pigtails on the side. You know, I would, I would go into my mom's makeup. I mean, from the young age, I just knew, I believed I was a female, you know, until society and you grow up and you start school and you really get to grasp the under, like the differences in the understanding of what a male is, what a female is, what are those differences? Mm -hmm. And so I, I believe that um, I truly thought, you know, I was a female. Um, yeah. So how were you received in your social group as you mm -hmm. uh, moved through grade school, middle school, high school? I would say I was not received extremely well. 
I am a twin and I have a twin brother and we both at that time, he identifies as a gay male. And at that time, when we were growing up together, because we were in school together, we both identified as gay men. And it was good to have that support system right by you. But how I was received by my fellow peers throughout school was, was not so well. Um, there was always bullying. I felt like people were telling you, I was, was telling me that I was gay before I knew what gay was. So I think that that um, created a lot of questions in my head and made me question my mannerisms, how I show people who I am, what I don't show people. And um, I would say it unfortunately never got any better. I think that it's how you respond to those people and what you allow them to dictate um, your emotions or how you feel in a school setting. And I would say throughout my years of being in school, I definitely became more comfortable with who I was. I never expressed my femininity until I was in my junior year of high school. And in my junior year of high school, I shaved my head bald and I wore makeup all the time, every single day, full face of makeup. So. Um, that was that was my way, I would say, when I first really started to transition, because it is one thing to identify as a gay male who is attracted to men, but it is another thing to start grasping the ideas of gender expression and how you want people to see you. And so I definitely feel like when I started my junior year of high school, I was pushing that envelope and beginning my transition before I officially did transition. Yeah, beautiful. Did you grow up in St. Louis? I did, yes. So I was born and raised in St. Louis. Um, I am adopted. So I, yes, I grew up um, on the hill and my parents are white. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very interesting way to being raised when um, I'm African-American and your parents are white and you live in a white neighborhood. Um, so that was deaf and being a twin. <laughs> it was also, it was just, it was, yes, exactly. It was um, building on top of building on top of building. But um, overall, yes, I was raised in St. Louis. So your white parents mm -hmm. intentionally adopted you and your brother. Yes. And have they expressed uh, what their uh, desire was in, in that process? In the process of adopting African-American kids yeah. or my transition? Okay. Um, I had these conversations with my parents. I know that from a young age, my mom always said that she was going to have black babies. Um, so she knew uh, from a young age, like I am going to have black babies. So they were unable to um, conceive kids. So they chose adoption and I, you know, was placed in their family. So. You won. You won the prize. <laughs> I did. I won. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just extremely blessed to have the parents that I have today and the resources um, from little to big. So, yeah. And the school that you went to, was it a, a diverse school, uh, mostly white? Uh... It was pretty diverse. It was a public school. So there was races. Um, there was many races there. And 
yeah, that I went to a public school from my elementary to all my years of high school and middle school. And my two high, I actually went to three high schools and all of them were performing arts high schools. Oh, wow, mm -hmm. performing arts, wonderful. Exactly, so they were very diverse in many ways. You might have done some uh, training or performing over at Webster University even before you became a student. They have quite a, an amazing performing arts department, they don't do, they? They do, it's a liberal arts college, so uh, they have um, great theaters and- So have you picked a major? I have. So my major right now is journalism. I major. Yes. Oh, you mentioned that. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. you did mention mm -hmm. that. And journalism has its own range of possibilities. Uh, Absolutely. Writing all the way to whatever else, uh, making movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you have some vision of uh, where this might take you? I do. I know that I love to write. That was the one thing that I knew from the get go that I love to write and I love to do poetry. And I felt as if journalism was that mixed with the art of culture and exploring and traveling. So therefore I chose to do journalism and I see myself in the future being able to document stories like myself across the globe, you know, in different countries of people who are transitioning and um, need to have their story heard because it's one thing to be transgender in America, but it's another thing to be transgender in Europe or in Africa or in Asia. And I think that having that resource for other people in different countries to see is just vital. It's very vital. Have you gotten to meet Jordan Braxton? One of the uh, people in the Webster Speaks program that I was watching. She's a mm -hmm. St. Louis uh, trans woman. And she made a quote uh, that both uh, me and, and the professor that was hosting it uh, just it, it just rang. She said, every day you are being an activist standing up for yourself. Absolutely. Do you identify with that? I fully identify with that and I fully agree. I think when you are anything different in this world, the act of protest is, is just walking outside of your doors. You know, I think for me, um, being transgender, when I step outside of my house into the world, it's an act of um, resilience and protest, showing people that um, we do exist and that we are human and that we are people just like you. Um, and I think that is probably one of the biggest things that people just need to see is that we're doing everyday activities, just like the next person who is straight or who identifies as cis. Mm -hmm. um, you are a woman, you are black, you yes. are trans, you yeah. are adopted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your activism is, I'm sure, causing ripples, uh, waves, uh, resistance. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, there was some conversation in the Webster Speaks uh, program about how the Black community sometimes has difficulty, first of all, with gay 
-hmm. and even more difficulty with trans. And can you speak to what you're beginning to experience or what you've learned from others uh, about why and, and, and how that appears? Yes, it's very hard for me to own or be, I feel like, the speaker on this because being raised in a white neighborhood with white parents, I, I never really felt like I was in, you know, the Black community per se. It was very hard for me to identify as gay and or as trans and see my community's reaction. Mm. Um, but going to public schools and having people who were primarily African-American, you are able to see that it's just very taboo. A lot of people don't know what exactly to say. I feel like we're already viewed as less because we are black and that's enough for some people. They don't want to be anything um, more than that. They, if they're black, then they can't speak on anything more. So when you add black and trans or black and gay, you are adding another weight to your life. And I think that a lot of African-Americans just want to blend in and be a part of society. But when you add another layer that a lot of people don't accept, that can be too much or scary or a conversation that they aren't willing to join, mm -hmm. participate in. Mm -hmm. Is possibly the fear of other and not understanding and when we don't understand and, and fear takes over then resistance and name calling and, and the whole gamut of what might be said and done mm -hmm. uh, because your your personal safety is also a consideration yes um, i'm sure you've begun to think about that although webster university is probably one of the safest Campuses. Yes. yes, very, very safe. Very, very safe. Um, you're in a dormitory uh, in a college, in a university that's 49% uh, people of color or indigenous uh, uh, students, international, 160 countries or, or so represented. Mm -hmm. um, you have, uh, I don't know, what kind of bathrooms are, are noted around campus that are genderless, uh, how do they call them? Um, I, I refer to them as genderless. So they have a couple in um, the buildings, yes. And and I, I guess that just means, it, does it have a label on the front that says genderless or what, it just says bathroom? <laughs> just ba yeah, pretty much it's bathroom or family bathroom. Oh, Those okay. are ones that, yeah. So um, both sexes can go in, so yeah. I, I know where I taught at Lincoln University, which is historically black, um, mm -hmm. that I don't think has ever come up as a possibility even. Mm -hmm. I don't think this kind of conversation is, uh, I don't think they're ready for that yeah. kind of conversation to, to take place. So uh, was it just a, a natural, step to go to Webster University because you knew about it and it was like home hey <laughs> how did it how did you get there that's a really good question I 
growing up, I was very active in theater and the performing arts. Mm -hmm. So there was this theater group that I was in called GCPA. And it was located, I believe, like two blocks down from Webster. And um, so when I, I would always walk there during my lunch break and walk around the Webster Groves area and I would see um, Webster um, University. And I was just like, okay, if I ever go to college, I have to go to Webster. Just something about Webster felt like this is, this is where I need to go. But um, during my high school years, I believed college wasn't for me. I thought someone like me did not deserve an education or higher education. Oh, wow. So I took a year off and I worked um, job after job to just decide what I really wanted to do. I knew in my heart that I wanted to go to college and I wanted an education and wanted to prove to people that people like me are able to go out into the um, work life. And mm -hmm. so I one day just booked a tour to Webster and I didn't tell my parents when I booked the tour, I just told them, okay, um, I think like a week later, I booked a tour for Webster, it's this day, um, we need to go. And so when I did the tour, um, the tour guide, he was African-American and identified as gay. And so I was just like, okay, this is perfect. You know, I'm able, I, I, I see someone who's just like me and he was amazing. The way that he accepted me from the beginning, I knew that Webster was the university for me. I knew that it was somewhere where I was going to be accepted and pushed to be the best version of myself. Wonderful. What was the name of that acting group that you were part of? Um, it was GCPA. GCPA. Okay. Yes. Uh, I have a friend in, in St. Louis named Cecilia Nadal, mm -hmm. who has been working in with acting community for years and years and years. And I, I, I'm going to give her a call and, and say, did you ever work with GCPA? Yeah. Did you run into Nay Lowry? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. It's a very small. Families can be very small. Yeah, yeah. She and she's a wonderful, uh, wonderful woman. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I'm going to bring up the subject now of religion. Okay. Mm, partly because sometimes religion has a role in whether or not you're accepted or not acceptable in the community. Yeah. Um, what, what has been your involvement or your um, interaction with the various religious orientations that are around? Yes. Um, for me, I grew up Christian. I grew up in the church um, every single Sunday at church, house church, um, just very active. And then um, coming out, I was excommunicated from my church. Oh, my goodness. Me and my twin brother were. Hmm. And so um, we just, we shied away from um, religion and hmm. from, for a while, I felt like we were going from church to church to just see which one would be the one that felt like home again. Yeah. Because I feel like religion is a safe house. It's a place where people go and they celebrate together. And I always felt like my 
identity in my eyes has nothing to do with what I believe in. You know, I believe that I believe in that I'm Christian and I believe religion is is my is my calling. So I I for a while, yeah, religion has always been, I believe, ever since I came out as gay and even transitioning something that even myself I find myself questioning, you know, mm-hmm. is it okay to be transgender and to be a Christian? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I tell people? Because, you know, I believe that people have their own interpretations of what it means to be Christian. But for me, being transgender just means that I transition to another gender. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I still believe that I'm a Christian and I still believe that I still believe in God. And I, yeah, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those conversations that I feel like a lot of people struggle to have with themselves. They forget to have with themselves. And um, I think, yeah, I, um, I just think when you accept things for what they are and you try not to label them as good or bad, then you are able to, I guess, just be free, honestly, yeah. Sounds like a non-judgmental approach, mm-hmm. which seems to be the whole point of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would uh, hope so. <laughs> what are we missing here? <laughs> right, exactly. I... Uh, bless your heart. Uh, I, I, uh, I can see how that happens mm-hmm. uh, on the negative side. And yet, uh, well, it is what it is, but it doesn't mean that it's not changeable mm-hmm. in terms of the way people see themselves as see uh, they're in transition too, or we hope they are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> we hope they're moving from more judgmental to less judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can be very difficult yes. for people. But education and and representation as you're giving right now and, and able to give as a every time you walk out the door, as you say, that makes a difference. And I, I believe it I believe there is reason for hope. Yes, uh, always, 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 always. <laughs> uh, great, great. So at Webster, which by the way, I understand was founded as a religious yeah. school. Mm-hmm. And then be, I guess, sort of divested itself of its religious identity somewhere along the line. Do they have uh, opportunities on campus or do they just recommend students uh, find places in the community to find their church home or their expression of spirituality? Um, I'm... Honestly, not so sure. I think with my first year going to Webster and with COVID, all of my classes have been online. So that's, yes, that's that's the hard part. I feel like if I was on campus, there would, there, I believe that there would be groups there mm-hmm. where people would go and they would have resources. Of course, they would have resources. Yeah. But um, with COVID and the climate, mm-hmm. I believe that um, just things have been on hold. And even a lot of churches are not having... Mm-hmm. Uh, in face-to-face uh, church services. Yeah. Some are, some aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, 
I have a, a, a question I often ask a guest related in, in this same kind of area. Do you see yourself as a soul, as a, an, an individual soul? I believe so. Mm -hmm. I think that in my eyes, I am a soul. Who I am has nothing to do with my body or my appearance. It has to do with my energy <clears throat> that I give out to the world and who I am on the inside. Yeah. I feel like that, that's what matters, you know? Um, uh, who I am will never go, and my heart will never go through a transition as big as from male to female. I think that that is just situational, you know, <clears throat> that's my situation. And I feel like who I am has always been intact. It, it, it's a soul, soul's preserve. And yeah, I, I feel like we are souls. I believe everyone's a soul. Um, it's just, I think our bodies are just decoration, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like our bodies are just how we want, how we envision our souls to look or appear. Mm -hmm. And I think that when those are not aligned, at least when I was growing up male, I felt like my soul did not align with my appearance. Mm -hmm. And when you become so detached from your soul is when you lose yourself. And you, I believe, forget the true importance and value of what life is. Yeah. And um, for a while there, um, I felt like I had to make do with being male, um, make do with my appearance. And that was very hard because, as you know, when you grow up, um, you begin to um, just have more masculine features. And I felt like I was camouflaging all of those and I was unable to keep up and I wasn't able to focus on my soul. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing a person can do is focus on their soul and their energy that they give to another, um, another person in need. So I just began to realize for my soul to be intact and to last as long as I need it to last and be healthy I needed to transition, you know, yeah. I needed my soul to, I need my parents to match my soul. I just needed it to reflect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, a phrase uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu story, mm -hmm. uh, be one in self-harmony. <laughs> and I feel like what you're expressing is that you, you needed to be one in self-harmony instead of this struggle of soul against body in a sense yes yeah, yeah. absolutely well you express that so beautifully i'm, I'm so glad we have it on <laughs> on recording i'm anxious to listen to it again yeah mm -hmm. wonderful so we have talked a little bit about uh school a little bit mm -hmm. about uh, religion touched on safety you did mention that you are either doing or considering some hormone therapy? Yes, I actually <clears throat> have been on hormone therapy for a year now. Okay. So I started hormone replacement therapy um, last January. And so I've been on hormones for a year and then I am looking at surgeries mm -hmm. in the future. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, a question that had come up on the Webster Speaks uh, presentation was healthcare, uh, mm -hmm. both health insurance, uh, and the question would be, does health insurance cover hormone therapy? Uh, do, does health insurance cover uh, gender affirming surgeries? Um, have you run into any obstacles yet in healthcare uh, coverage? With hormones, I have not. That was a very easy process for me, which I'm very thankful for. But um, the surgery aspect is extremely long and you run into obstacles after obstacles. Um, right now, that's something that I'm currently going through is just trying to allow my um, insurance to cover my top surgery. Mm -hmm. um, so that is, it. I I'm, can't really speak on exactly why, but I just know that it is very hard for someone who's transitioning to get the surgeries that they need. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. that was the point that was uh, also affirmed by the, the speakers there. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other speakers was Gabriel Souza, Yes. who I think is a Webster University student. Um, have you met Gabrielle? I have. I actually did an interview on her for one of my um, journalism stories. Yeah. Well, good. Um, I think she's an upper class student. Uh, I'm not sure what grade level she's in, but uh, she was one of the speakers uh, yes. in the Webster Speaks. And um, I can see why they had asked her. And I'm sure you're going to be on Webster Speaks before long. If you <laughs> yes, I'm very, very excited. <laughs> you, you do great. You do great. Uh, have you seen yourself, or maybe you've already been also an activist in the Black Lives Matter area? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, Ferguson is in St. Louis. Uh, yes. Uh, so many things are happening around the country. Um, have you had some experiences in that area? Um, I have. I, you know, I've done my share of protesting and um, I was able to meet, I believe, Mike Brown's mm -hmm. um, sister. And we were able to talk and have a conversation of how um, how events like that has shaped her view on, I guess, life in general, being African-American. Um, I feel like it is very necessary for me, especially being adopted by white parents to use my voice. You know, I think that there is this kind of sort of privilege that I kind of call it, or in sense, kind of like a, a white card, just because I have um, parents who, kind of give me access to things. I'm able to see it from a completely different perspective than someone who was um, just raised in the African-American community. For me, I feel like there, I have a tie to who I am being African-American, but also raised in um, the white community. I'm able to see just how big it actually affects African-Americans. Um, being seen both sides, seeing how the grass is greener on this side and how, how we are racially profiled, how we're in constant fear for our safety. Um, it, it definitely is something that 
I believe that if um, I needed to be a part of and needed to speak on and use my voice. Yeah. For. Well, one thing that Gabrielle mentioned was that when a black trans person uh, is killed, yeah. there is not the same outrage or protest as when a Mike Brown is killed. Yeah. And, 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 and there was some discussion about that um, discomfort in the black community to mm -hmm. speak up for black trans. Right. And um, have you had discussions at all personally in, in that regard? Yes, I always say, I just believe that Black trans lives will not matter until Black lives matter. Um, because like I said, you're laying on another, just another battle that someone has to face. Mm -hmm. And being Black in America and in life is just sometimes just enough. It's sometimes too much. Um, I feel like the Black community, and I don't blame them for not 100% wanting to um, be that outrage for us when one of my sisters who are Black and trans are killed, because in a sense, they're protecting themselves. You know, being Black is almost being exposed. And then when you're Black and trans, it's like, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no shelter, there's no hiding. Um, and so, I just believe that if we move forward in the narrative that Black Lives Matter, that we one will, like you said, hope is all that we have, you know? Um, I believe that one day we'll all see eye to eye and race will not be such a black and white thing. It will be just a discussion on race and differences in culture. And that's all it really is. And I feel like, we just need to understand that the umbrella of Black Lives Matter is, includes anyone who is African-American, whether you, were, you know, identify as gay or as trans or as straight. Um, we're all Black at the end of the day. Um, our colors are the same. Um, we may not love the same gender or identify as the same gender, but there's something that connects us and we just have to stand together and and yeah, just stand in our truth. Yeah, beautiful. Well, in terms of standing your truth, is it necessary to expose your trans or is it okay just to be a black woman? Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. <laughs> I, for me, I don't know, you know, I wake up every day wondering when I will just feel like just a black woman. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always going to be trans. Trans is before anything. Yeah. Trans is before a woman. Trans is before my color. Yeah. I feel like trans is who I am and it, and it's what God made me to be. So for me to hide that because the world doesn't accept that would be doing myself a dishonor. Yeah. 
um, when I first transitioned, I was like, okay, um, I just want to be a black woman. I don't want to be trans. I just want to transition into a female. There's no trans part. And the more and more I live this life, the more and more I see the beauty of what it's like to be trans. Um, it, it's a struggle, you know, I feel like sometimes I have to be this um, poster um, child for being black and trans, but if I'm not, then who's going to be? Yeah. And if I'm not, then who else has to take that leadership role? Yeah. Because I want anyone who grows up like me or who identifies like me to, to have someone that they can look up to, knowing that I did not have that many people I could look up to. Um, so I, I think you just have to own every single part of you. You know, I'm trans and I'm black and I'm a woman, you know, and I transitioned into a woman and that's something different from being born as a woman. And there's power in that. And there's a story in that and there's conversation in that. Yeah. And for me to just discredit that trans part would be would be hiding my story and would not be standing in my truth. Just conversation produces change and being given this opportunity, uh, being 19 and telling, I guess, my story. Um, just thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. You know, I think the conversation about race often creates the... Um, the final statement that race is just a social construct. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I, I was just thinking as you were talking a little earlier that, well, if race is just a social construct, then we can do a social reconstruction. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> or as uh, Dr. King said, a radical reconstruction. Mm -hmm. uh, of our culture, of our uh, constructs mm -hmm. that have yeah. locked us into these harsh and hard um, and often bitter, um, rigid constructs that, that mm -hmm. don't allow for diversity and flexibility yes. and, and moving as the, the wind blows. <laughs> We're just... <laughs> right there <laughs> yeah right there i ain't budging you know and uh wow what uh let, let's do more and more social reconstruction um, exactly make it exactly. A, uh, with all of us mm -hmm. uh, could you help me with a few of the labels we have l g b t q i a Yes. Yes. So L. So far. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, who knows? Next year there might be two more letters. Is <laughs> no, no. which is the awesome part about it because it's never ending. Um, I know that L stands for lesbian, G for gay, B for bisexual, T for trans, LGBTQ for queer. Um. I for intersex, yes. And it is queer different? How is queer different? Queer, I would say from my definition, is more so identifying kind of like in a 
if you're born male and you identify in more of a feminine um, expression. So sometimes you may not be gay, but you might be queer and you might um, just love more feminine aspects. Because when I was growing up, uh, the, the word queer meant gay. Mm-hmm. So now it's, uh, I'm, I'm relearning words. Yes, I am too, every single day. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we got to Q. I is intersectional, right? Yes. Now, that is an interesting word. Mm-hmm. Can, what do you understand intersectional to? Apply? Well, it could be someone who was born with... Um, like uh, both male and female genitalia. So they could be a person born as a female, but have um, a female and male um, genitalia. Mm-hmm. And I think from this uh, Webster Speaks uh, talk that I was listening to, yes, uh, either Jordan or Gabrielle seem to go on yes. and on with a whole range of intersectional um, possibilities. Absolutely. So evidently that label is, is, is very flexible. Exactly. Or, um, uh, you can't, it's a, a diverse label in itself. Mm-hmm. It really is, yeah. Then we come to A and I have, I, I don't think I've ever seen, I don't know if I've seen A before. Right. A is pretty new, but um, A stands for ally. Um, ally. Oh, um, so, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, in this case, you can be transgender and also an ally. You can be um, a part of the straight community and also be an ally. So an ally within the LGBT, LGBTQ plus um, IA yeah. community. So um, I believe that's, I believe that's why it's at the end as well, you know, because an ally means you have to be, um, encompass everything that comes before. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, does an ally providing support is mm-hmm. an ally, um, I, I mean, we yeah. have allies in, in countries. Yes. Well, the allies, yeah. well, um. Uh, how are we to see that label? I think it is to be someone's safety net. Ah. I think that being a part of our community takes a lot of focus and a lot of determination and our safety is always at risk. Um, I always say, you know, once you step outside of the doors, like you can also be protesting, but your safety is not guaranteed. You don't know the next person who may not um, accept who you are and react in a violent manner. So I think that if you are that person that someone calls when they feel unsafe, then you did your job. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're that someone, that person, that person can come and talk to you about what they're going through and just the complexities of being, in my case, trans, then you did your job. I feel like it's not always about necessarily being their best friend, but it is about 
opening your arms and saying, you know, I'm a safety net. And if you ever find yourself scared or in need um, of safety, I am an ally and I can shelter you. I think that that's just, in my eyes, what people like us need. We just need people to be our listeners and to be, um, in a case, sometimes our saviors, someone that we can put our hope in. When we lose hope in ourselves and lose hope in the world, and there's someone else who has hope, it's good to put your hope in another person who may see something that you don't see yet. They might see your soul, you, the soul. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what always wins. That's what yeah. always wins. I don't know if you caught at the opening of the show, I, I was introducing the show and, and talking to people who were pods of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, my definition of a soul is a pod of consciousness. It, it's neither black nor white. It's neither right. male nor female. I'm I'm in here. I'm an it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I see you. I, I will honor your pronouns, mm -hmm. but in my mind, you're still an it because mm -hmm. you're a soul. Absolutely. It uh, have to have the outward uh, mm -hmm. labels that way. So, yeah. yeah. I love to come back to that. That's beautiful. I love that. I have to start using that too. <laughs> Ooh, all right. There'll be two of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, one of the things related to intersectional that, that Gabrielle, oh no, no, I think it was Jordan mentioned, there is testing. I think it's some kind of a hormone testing or some kind of a you know blood test that you can get that helps you define where you are in the identification scheme. Does that ring a bell at all? Not for me, unfortunately. I've 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 never heard about that, okay. but um, I did watch that podcast and I was able to listen to Jordan, what she was explaining, oh, which was uh -huh. all new information for me too. Yeah, okay, good. So we're, we're both uh, wondering what that might yes. actually mean. So you also heard one of them talking about the word, and it's kind of an old word, but evidently still around, passing. Uh, yes. And I don't know, do you, I, I don't know if you watch Roots with, mm -hmm. um, Dr. Gates, but uh, he often talks about passing, how people would pass for white or, uh, and I guess that's the way Jordan was using the term passing in the yes. podcast. Is that mm -hmm. the way you understood it? Absolutely. Passing is being able to pass as a woman. Um, so if I'm walking um, out in the public eye, they would perceive me as a person that was born a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And she also mentioned that for her safety, it would be better to let that be the understanding, particularly in a, a, a dating situation, because Jordan mm -hmm. works in a counseling way with people about their sexuality and their sexual yeah. relations and so on. So safety is a big, big factor. 
Absolutely. And so you want to be in a safe place <laughs> uh, before you're taking that next step of saying, well, yes, I'm a, a beautiful black woman, but I'm also a trans woman. Right, exactly. I. That's something that, you know, I've only been transitioning for hormones a year, but I find myself in these positions where I feel like it's best, in my opinion, just to say it, say it first. You know, I would hate to mislead someone because, you know, when I'm transitioning and I meet someone, they're going to be a part of my transition as well. And I feel like for someone to be a part of that transition, they have to be open-minded and they have to know what they're getting themselves into because being trans is not only transitioning from one sex to another, it can be someone's life. It can be someone's innocence family. You know, it can be beyond just who they are and it can be a part of their surroundings. So I believe being trans just encompasses someone's life. At least for me, I can speak from my experience. I think that when meeting someone, it is just best to say it up front um, because you get to see the reaction. You know, I think that if they're not okay with that, then in a sense, they, they're not ready and they're not ready to be a part of your transition. And so, and it also goes back to safety. You know, a lot of people may react in a way that's not positive. So I believe just for your safety and for your benefits at the end of the day, you should just, you know, tell someone, you know, I am trans um, in a public space um, or even over the phone, somewhere where you know that you are in a safe place and in a safe environment in case it goes awry. Right. Excellent. We should announce the conference again. Uh, I'm speaking with Nay Lowry, a freshman at uh, Webster University in St. Louis. And Nate, tell us about this conference that's going on right, uh, well, February 22nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th? 5th, mm -hmm. yes. So I will be at Webster's um, Diversity and Inclusion Conference on February 25th at, I believe, 11 a.m. And so you can just go to webster.edu slash forward conversations with an S and then you can join in for free, you can use your email address, and then it will just bring you to the homepage where you can go to the agenda and I'll have all the dates set up. And I will be speaking again at the 25th. And mine is about me, my transition, and alongside my family members will be in the conference as well. And we're Wonderful. just going to talk, yes, about my transition, family acceptance, um, and yeah, just the family life. All right, February 25th, 11 a.m. At, uh, at the conference. And that, again, was webster.edu forward slash conversations. Yes, conversations. All right. Now, we can go anytime, like even today, we could go to that link and register. Is that right? Yes. So Absolutely. that we could start getting the uh, plan our schedule for what we're going to do. Plan our schedule around it. Yeah. 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 Great. 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 Well, let's see. Is there anything we have not been able to cover today? Um, can you think of something that you would like to add? Uh, we have not talked about dating at all. Is that something in your future, uh, present, past? <laughs> 
Um, oh, um, I would say it's somewhat a part of my presence um, right now. I can speak on it. I met this individual and he, he identifies as a straight male. And I always say, um, when you express yourself in feminine ways, um, you will attract someone who is attracted to feminine things. And um, so with dating, it can be very complicated as a trans woman because um, if you attract someone who identifies as straight, there's a lot of questions that go into that. There's a lot of um, conversations that go into that. I, I believe that dating, you just have to find the right partner. The first partner you have to find is yourself. Mm. Um, I think that when you're going through a transition, the person that you need to have is um, yourself. Mm -hmm. But then after that, um, the dating life is just as complicated as it, as it always is. So, <laughs> yeah. so self-harmony first. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then they're going to see the authentic you um, inside there and you you go with the what happens yeah. from there yeah great okay um uh, i i have been learning things today and yes. i i have the benefit of seeing you on zoom yes. and i really recommend everyone to have a chance to on february 25th to see you um as I'm seeing you, it'll be a wonderful experience. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, any final words for our audience? Um, all I can say is that trans is human. Trans is human. Trans is human. Mm -hmm. Well, amen. The last word. Yes. Love, 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 Nay. It's been a, a real pleasure. And listeners, uh, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon.